0: chapter twenty six of the ins and outs of paris or paris by day and night by julie de marguerite this librivox recording is in the public domain parisian society and parisian celebrities of all subjects connected with paris the subject of this chapter is one upon which foreigners know the least and about which the grossest errors have been promulgated and believed in describing as we have done the various classes which in paris have a distinct physiognomy from the same classes in all other capitals in enumerating the various forms of refinement which even vice and error take in france it must not be supposed that we have been describing what is called society neither the lorette nor the grisette nor the students nor with rare exceptions dramatic artists are admitted into what is called society Unlike every other country, each of these classes has a distinct circle of its own, in which it perpetually revolves, a circle recruited from its own ranks and not aspiring to any other. One of the distinctive characteristics of the French is indeed a certain dignity, which precludes that degrading craving for richer and higher acquaintances so universal elsewhere. The outward forms of French society are full of etiquette and ceremonial, almost to coldness. French manners are the quietest in Europe. Loud talking, loud laughing, anything that draws the attention of the many on an individual is in the very worst taste, and sedulously avoided by Parisians, both men and women. So that what people call French manners, meaning noisy, boisterous conduct, such as to attract the eyes of a whole circle or a whole theatre on one person, are by the French people quietly set down as either English or American under the bourbons the return of many of the old noblesse from immigration or from their country seats whether they had retired during the napoleon era brought back the manners of the old court or ancien regime, as it was now called whatever fault may have been found with the morals and the political institutions preceding seventeen ninety three it would be impossible in any way to criticize the manners of that epoch refinement and politeness could go no further however much france may have been reformed and altered since that period it must be admitted that the manners altered as they are have degenerated to the reign of louis-philippe may this alteration be traced and to the great fusion which has taken place between the french and foreign nations from the pipes of the germans came the habit of smoking modified by the polite frenchman into the less obnoxious cigar from the english they borrowed their mania for the turf calling it le and imagining themselves english because they imported english grooms and horses and tried to imitate the brusquery of english manners the accession of louis philippe brought into high places a class which had been long struggling for the outward emblems of the power they already possessed having in their grasp wealth which ruled the world this class brought ostentation in its train vanity haughtiness and pretension an eager desire to outshine every one an assumed contempt for the advantages of birth and position and an insatiate desire to be received and recognized by those they pretended to despise to speak plainly the reign of louis philippe put vulgarity into a court dress still it was french vulgarity and in a very short time it learnt how to wear the folds of its drapery with grace still the inauguration of the finance or la chaussée changed the simplicity of french society the chausse d'antin gave great suppers grand dinners had quantities of servants whole hotels instead of apartments walked upon velvet ate off gold so that au sucre old-fashioned furniture well-waxed floors and two servants who had lived all their lives in the family but were anything but stylish dared no longer to call itself society and the very first elements of society wit genius and good breeding were forced into obscurity and overshadowed by the more seeming and by what is valuable only when it enhances intellect but this golden rule had but a short reign it expired from very weariness and was of itself forced having the shadow to seek the substance first artists were coaxed into the circle though artists are an independent set disclaiming patronage meeting as they do encouragement and appreciation from the government the church and the highest aristocracy they are entirely exempt from toadyism still they came led perhaps by curiosity and retained by flattery and praise the coin that wins the artist sooner even than the coin of the realm then came alliances between the quarterings of the noble faubourg and the money-chests of the Chaussee d'antin an exchange which softened the rude angles dividing the two classes gradually making them dissimulate their riches and the noble subdue his pride louis philippe too when he found himself firmly on his throne began to weed his court and gradually society recovered its tone having by the slight social chaos through which it had passed destroyed many of the partition walls of prejudice society in paris now in its present state has accomplished a fusion without which society is merely party spirit tending rather to establish bitterness of feeling than social intercourse still it has established it with certain restrictions which are more inexorable in paris than in any other country in the world parisian society cares not for riches though it does not refuse to admire and enjoy an occasional display but it envies it not and habitually dislikes it parisian society cares not for birth it cares not for fine dresses though it requires a strict adherence to cleanliness and forms but is perfectly indifferent as to price or quality of material when we say that in no country is a strict adherence to the proprieties of life and to its moralities so exacted as in france we shall probably meet with many incredulous readers yet such is the fact it is not french as common tradition has it for wives and husbands to go different ways on the contrary whatever may be their way of living at home society exacts that when coming into its circles they should come together whether to theatres balls or parties society too in paris exercises a control over the conduct of young men these liaisons that we read of these extraordinary derelictions from the right path may be very well for a newspaper paragraph and the paris correspondent may make much of them showing off his own wit but giving as false an idea of the capital from which he dates as the french editor of a popular paper did of new york when he gravely spoke of the sombre quaker population of that exceedingly fast city we do not mean to advance that the morals of la jeune france are purer than those of la jeune anywhere else but we advance and maintain that they pay homage to virtue by keeping their dissipations from the public being fond of the society of women and respecting their mothers and sisters they sedulously conceal all female associations which might call a blush on their cheek all illegal alliances all gallantries are more or less known but they are never talked of neither are the adventures of dancers and courtesans ever openly alluded to nor their names ever mentioned in society that is in the presence of men and women fulfilling the duties of their station and living according to the laws of god and man Some disposed to cavil with all that is french merely because it is french make all this hypocrisy and think it adds to immorality but we might as well cavil with a couple who quarrel only at home because they did not also quarrel in public and accuse them of misleading society as to the way in which they agreed with regard to the conduct of women society in paris has established rules which in some measure limit the power of scandal and certainly act as a restraining principle in the absence of a higher on women in general as far as regards unmarried women we have already explained that there is but one rule that they should be always under the safeguard of their mothers observing a reserve of manner which the little influence they exercise in society of course inspires now with a married woman the rules are quite as well defined as long as a wife lives under her husband's roof as long as his presence with her in public sanctions and protects her the world may whisper the world is notoriously fond of whispering everywhere its opinions and observations but it has no right to openly manifest its disapprobation or its suspicions but if once a woman forfeits the protection of her husband if she is separated from him and his home is no longer hers then the animadversion of the world has free scope to exercise its malice or its censure so strict and invariable is this rule that when a young woman is separated from her husband without any fault being imputed to her she gives up society even though she may have again sought the asylum of the paternal roof she is no more seen excepting at rare intervals in numerous assemblies or at balls or even too frequently at theatres or public promenades the only independent position for a woman in france is that of a widow and without wishing to accuse the gentler sex of any magic way of getting rid of their husbands it is strange to say that there appear to be more widows and young widows in france than in any other country the young widow in france enjoys every privilege she is the only woman who may flirt dance come go and dress exactly as she pleases she is the great resource of the french dramatists all the heroines of french comedies and vaudevilles are jeune veuve, because that is the only condition of woman which allows of the very necessary ingredient in a french comedy of ostensible love-making ending of course in a usual fifth-act catastrophe a second marriage the great feature of parisian society is its simplicity and sociability invitations are of course given for any great festivities such as dinners balls and concerts but there is scarcely a house in paris beginning from the upper classes down to the lower grades which has not its own small circle of friends meeting uninvited excepting by general invitation every evening throughout the year at these meetings there is no dress or ceremony no obligation to stay a long or a short time the only obligation is to bring a good temper, good manners, intelligence, and as much wit as nature has bestowed on you. If ever social life or sociable parties really existed, it is in these reunions, where each contributes to the entertainment of the whole, where no extraneous resource is admitted, where neither the want of music nor dancing is felt, and yet where the hours pass cheerfully and profitably along. French women are not what is called accomplished therefore there is no terrible sonata to be thrown off no excruciating bravura to be endured and the french as a nation are not a dancing people now whatever they may have been there is not one quarter as much dancing in paris as there is in london and not one-third as much as there is in the principal cities of the united states there are balls for about six weeks in the year and occasionally in the summer a bal champetre at a village fête but as a general thing the frequenters of these reunions would as soon think of proposing a horse race as a dance though in the english society in paris no sooner do six people get together than for want of ideas and conversation the young people take to giggling and poking although the young men of france may not be as good classic scholars as the senior wranglers of oxford and cambridge they have far more general information the french mind too has a tendency to analysis and philosophy and the language has an epigrammatic turn favoring essentially the vivacity of general conversation as we have before said men are fond of the society of well-bred intellectual women the proof of this may be seen in the deserted cafes, which from the dinner hour to midnight are left to foreigners provincials and waiters and in the impossibility of establishing in paris clubs such as are so numerous in london a club in the french acceptation signifies a political meeting or when by the anglo-mains taken in its english meaning these clubs have degenerated into decent gambling houses frenchmen cannot understand the enjoyment of doing nothing but lolling about looking at a parcel of men in all kinds of sans-souci attitudes or dozing over an old newspaper they prefer general society society where each holds a place and it is perhaps because in these assemblies everyone has a part to play and is of some importance that they are so liked by all so frequented and so inherent to the french character the art of conversation is therefore in france the most esteemed wit information learning vivacity knowledge and sentiment infused into one local current and clothed in correct and elegant language is considered as the greatest accomplishment that can be possessed a salon where the most brilliant conversationists are known to assemble will be sure to attract in paris in preference even to the most splendid fete this thorough appreciation of individual qualifications and talents it will be seen considerably decreases the power and importance of wealth this it was that made the gilded saloons of the chausse d'antin so dull and obliged them to seek to penetrate the charm which nightly filled many little cramped apartments with all that was distinguished and brilliant a few years ago there were several saloons at this description the furniture of which would have been disdained by the fine soubrette of the Parvenu, but where nightly met the ancienne noblesse the noblesse of the empire all the distinguished statesmen foreign ministers authors editors and artists together with women of the highest standing both for position fashion and reputation to be an habitual frequenter of these reunions was like receiving a diploma of distinction and talent and though all were desirous of penetrating within the magic circle many kept timidly back knowing that there the false coin would not pass current and that the genuine coin emanating from the rain would have to pass through an areopagus of critics and could alone recommend them such was the salon of the duchesse de aire she was an old woman who had emigrated and on her return had found all her fortune estates and houses sold by the revolution as biens nationaux a transaction which the restoration found they were obliged to sanction as to alter it would have entailed endless confusion the duchesse therefore reduced to a pension was obliged to live in a small apartment in one of the modern houses of the quartier des tuileries in all about the size of one of her saloons in her former residences on what floor it was can scarcely be told how many stairs there were up to it impossible to ascertain for one lost one's breath before having done counting them but when one got up the very landing was filled with footmen and chasseurs in all the liveries of the best families of france holding the cloaks shawls and peltots of their masters and mistresses the tiny ante-room where they should have been was crowded with men wearing all sorts of stars and orders the tiny salon would have made the fortune of a daguerreotypist who could have taken all the portraits at once for there seated in a small circle in the centre of the room were all the women either of fashion talent or beauty who were objects of curiosity and interest to the whole parisian public the duchesse herself in her heavy grey satin dress her point lace ruffles and cape her silvery hair frizzled and curled round her pale refined face having on her head a lace cap with plain white ribbons sat in an armchair by the fire the place of honour which the etiquette of parisian saloons decrees the mistress of the house should never give up to any guest the motive for this apparently uncivil custom being that the lady of the house should be ever at her post to receive her guest and to do the honours which consists here in the bringing congenial spirits together by a judicious question drawing out the peculiar talent of some one individual or by some new idea reanimating the conversation when it appears to flag the chairs and sofas drawn out from the wall allowed of the gentlemen circulating freely behind the ladies and leaning over the backs of the chairs to converse with those they knew though in the immediate circle of the duchesse conversation was general every one put in his word and no introductions were necessary to join in it leaning against the chimney were the men most distinguished for their conversational powers such as Balzac, thiers Jeannet, Monsieur de custine Monsieur de montelambert berrier victor hugo and many whose names have attained no other celebrity than that they received from their ancestors but who were mostly men if not brilliant distinguished for their good breeding and a dignity of manner which has died out with their ancien regime. in the duchesse's bedroom adjoining the salon assembled all the politicians and foreign ministers a pony who has so long represented austria and france as almost to have become a parisian lord granville whom in spite of his perfect knowledge of french it was impossible not to recognize as the british representative m leron the belgian minister whose great distinction was in being the husband of the beautiful madame leron now seated by the Duchess in the adjoining room many of the ministers and members of the chambre financiers the most distinguished members of the bar magistrates historians all the more serious luminaries of the great social system were here to be found Guizot, Mignet, thierry a frenchman who has written english history sismondi the historian of republics michelet who has brought to light the poetry of history here was seguier the hereditary president of the supreme court in paris whom napoleon when he set things in order after the revolution nominated in compliance with his hereditary right seguier was then very young and when after his nomination the emperor saw him he was startled at his appearance are you not very young for a president said he how old are you exactly the age replied seguier of your imperial majesty when you won the battle of marengo napoleon never doubted seguier's capacity after this at the duchesse de herres there were no refreshments of any kind if any of the guests were thirsty they asked the duchesse's maid she had no man-servant for a glass of water many of the visitors remained but a short time proceeding from thence to other parties for it became the fashion for all who were fortunate enough to have the entrée to go to the duchesse's reception if only for a few minutes if it were only to catch up as they sparkled around some of the bon mots opinions and repartees of the chosen there assembled the duchesse never went out herself these receptions were the only amusement her only communication with the outer world she had come back to her native land a lonely woman a childless widow but she loved to see youth around her she loved to hear familiar names echo in her ear the pleasures of the world had lost their attractions but the mind with its ever-varying powers could charm her still paris contained numerous salons like this the salon of madame recamier the friend of madame de stal who endowed with angelic beauty had passed through the difficult period of the consulate aux empires without scandal even breathing on her name her manners were so modest and reserved she was so silent that whilst people admired her beauty they doubted the powers of her mind the vicinity too of madame de stal whose constant companion she was may have thrown her into the shade for madame de stal's brilliancy was overpowering in the decline of life madame Recamier withdrew to the abbaye aux bois a convent in which there are apartments for ladies who seek quiet and retirement there are few convents which still retain this custom so prevalent in the two preceding centuries and it must also be said that the number of women who grow tired of the world has also considerably lessened madame recamier however though still attractive preferred a dignified retreat from the world rather than to wait for its abandonment she attracted around her the very elite of parisian society the constant visitor and faithful friend of madame recamier was Monsieur de chateaubriand his memoirs d'outre-tombe were read here chapter by chapter as they were written the tone of madame Ricamier's salon was graver than the usual reunion of paris and had a religious tendency suitable to a convent the celebrated preachers of the day abbe ravignon la cordaire eloquent as an apostle with the earnestness of a martyr and an ascetic imprinted on the pale sharp features and on the broad high forehead which from thought watching and fasting had acquired the yellow tint and the polish of ivory the abbe coeur the most ungraceful and inelegant of speakers but the most logical and profound theologian then m de genoux the founder of an establishment for the reform of the repentant magdalens of paris lamartine too would bring his poems here the tender verses of Josselin were read in this calm and most fitting atmosphere the ladies of the faubourg st Germain the mortemart the montmorency the de la tour all who preserved their allegiance to church and state here met as on hallowed ground here occasionally bishops missionaries and dignitaries of the catholic church would mingle in this circle where all was eminently orthodox and high-principled contrary to the established order of the present day when the clergymen never mingle in society madame recamier's salon ignored all the progressiveness of the age and would perhaps have been the vivacious salons accused of ennui but it was very exclusive and therefore much sought after art has always been patronized by the catholic church and thought compatible even with its most austere tenets therefore when the fame of any great artist resounded through paris as to re-echo in the great halls of the abbaye au bois madame recamier would express a desire to hear and see them and her friends who frequented the gay as well as the grave world would hasten to gratify her wishes here gioletta grisi has sung to the applause of archbishops rubini and LaBlache have come prouder to sing to this audience than to the one which welcomed them every day here the young tragic muse spite of her jewish origin and her avowed devotion to the religion of her fathers was presented in the early days of her fame here she recited giving lessons in eloquence to the most eloquent the passionate verses of corneille and the majestic poetry of racine none of the wits of the day or feuilletonists or innovators found entrance here indeed it is to be doubted whether madame recamier and her noble friends knew of the existence of many of those who were stars of the first magnitude in other circles madame emile girardin the daughter of an authoress madame gay the wife of a literary man celebrated in many ways and herself an authoress of great talent also held a salon at once literary artistic and political madame girardin is a brilliant conversationist as well as a brilliant writer both of feuilletons novels and dramas she is besides an amiable woman and a woman of elegant and refined manners in this respect the blue stockingism of paris outshines all others a literary reunion in france does not present an assemblage of dishevelled ringlets faded ribbons and draggled draperies women here spite of their genius condescend to dress like other people with elegance and taste and though they have genius strive to look as pretty as they can look there by the crimson curtain which forms so good a background for a picture there seated in an antique louis the thirteenth chair is a lady whose unpretending dress has not yet attracted you yet now you have observed her see how gracefully the folds of black velvet fall around her what ease and grace in the attitude the arms folded and the head raised towards a gentleman who is leaning over her chair and earnestly conversing with her how well the black lace and those scarlet ribbons harmonize with the lustrous black hair and the pale complexion are the features handsome who can tell the mouth with its vigorous and well-defined outline first attracts but now you have caught the glance of those deep lustrous sad mysterious eyes you will see no more you are fascinated dazzled although those eyes have rested on you but a moment you see them still they have suggested thoughts and feelings in that single moment such as are roused by a strain of solemn music or some low melancholy murmuring verse who is it have you examined the almost romantic beauty of the person who is speaking to her his high forehead his magnificent hair his long soft waving beard his chiselled features and the almost infantine expression of the face no and yet he, too, is wonderful; he, too, is a genius, the poet of music, the author of the desert, Felicien David, who caught the divine inspiration in the sandy plains of Egypt, where he saw the red sun rise and set, transfixing in immortal rhythm the sublimity of the infinite. Still, you gaze on those eyes, they haunt you still now they are bent down, shaded by their long lashes, often they are so shaded as though weary of gazing on the world. Ah, they are raised again, and a gentle smile unbends that firm lip. A lady greets her, a lady of gentle aspect and manners, yet with a face in which tenderness and benevolence are blended. That is Madame Raybon, the authoress of many beautiful, tender, imaginative works, whose first book, Val de Pierrat, made her at once a celebrity. But you care not, you are still watching those wondrous eyes and the grace and dignity of the few gestures which accompany the deep tones of that earnest voice ah genius has then a magnetism she on whom you look she whose passing glance you will never forget is madame Georges sand will you come with me now into some of the genial happy and sparkling salons of bohème into the palace of the tragic muse herself where in addition to the prettiest and most talented of all the actresses, Brohan, Doche, the Dame aux Camélias, Desjazettes, Rose Chérie, Cruvali, Caroline Dupré, and twenty more you will find, all the literati, all the actors, Bresson, Ligier, Frédéric Lamaitre, La Blache, etc., etc., and most of the jeunesse doré of Parisian life. But you will not go, You are not attuned to brilliancy to-night. Let us home. As we pass along and see the lights gleaming from every window of every etage, you may be sure that within each is a little circle of old friends, who for years have met at each other's fireside, and who, if not brilliant or celebrated, are cheerful companions and fast friends. End of chapter 26